This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Mark Munsell, the Chief Technology Officer at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Mark, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're talking today about a new, if you will, tech focus areas, and possibly this is going to lead into a broader conversation about a new technology strategy. So let's just start there, discuss this new tech focus areas, the new technology strategy as much as you can, and walk me through the approach you took because it's really focused on needs versus specific technologies. Yeah, we published the technology focus areas as a means to get industry to take a look at broadly what, what the agency needs in terms of technology. So while it's focused on technological needs, it's meant to get at our underlying sort of enduring constant technical problems that we have, analytic problems that we have, and we're looking for industry to take a look at those and and propose ideas and technologies that might address those enduring needs. On the other on the other hand, we have a technology strategy that focuses on the processes and how we'd like to change. So while the tech focus areas focuses on the actual what we're looking for, the technology strategy focuses on how we'd like to act and how we'd like to behave and the processes we'd like to change. All right. I think that's an interesting distinction. Now, did you decide to go down the tech focus areas first because that just kind of opens the door to the broader strategy or are they related, but not necessarily, it didn't really matter which came out first and the tech focus areas just happened to be the one that came out first. We actually published a tech focus series last year, and for the first time, we issued that and and got some feedback from industry, and I think it was really valuable for them to have a chance to sit down on one sheet of paper and sort of look through what NGA is looking for, and based on that feedback, we decided to publish it annually with some tweaks. Uh, We think this year's is better. Uh, We've expanded this year's tech focus areas to include some things that we didn't have last year, and I think that's important as part of this conversation moving forward. But when we looked at the tech focus areas and the needs that we have as an agency, we got together and said, this doesn't really address all of the procedural changes that we'd like NGA to undergo and especially our partners. So it was really important to have a complement to that without getting them both too big or too complicated. The idea was to have one focused on the what and one focused on the how. Okay, I think that makes sense. And it actually gives industry something to start with for when they start coming to you guys and try to pitch their wares. Well, is it in the tech focus areas or not? I mean, it's it's a pretty easy starting point. And, you know, and if it's not, tell me why. Walk me through some of those tech focus areas. They're, as you mentioned, they're different. They're expanded. You added new areas like software engineering, AI, the future of work. Why those three? And, and, and give me a sense of what else is in there. So the broad categories are advanced analytics and modeling, data management, modern software engineering, artificial intelligence, and the future of work. Advanced analytics and modeling, of course, again, an enduring problem set for an analytic organization like NGA. Data management, this this whole thing relies on, everything that we do relies on data, and uh, we have more and more data. We have to figure out a way to be able to manage it better, be able to find it easier, be able to slice and dice it and give it to our analysts in a better way. Modern software engineering, we really, over the last couple of years, NGA has really embraced a new wave of modern software engineering. We really have embraced DevSecOps. We really have embraced product management. And so we wanted to put that down on paper and we wanted to convey it to industry so that they would change with us. We still have 
large programs, monolithic programs that still operate in a waterfall way. And, and while those large programs have to transform over time, we understand that. We're really trying to have a conversation with industry where we want them to change with us. So if we're building new applications in the cloud, if we're using DevSecOps and sort of quickly delivering software and applications, we need industry working on these big programs with us to modify the way they do work as well. So it was really important for us to put in modern software engineering. Artificial intelligence, that was our message to industry in this particular document to say, look, this is an enduring need. We've been working on this for many, many years in the computer vision aspect of NGA, where we need computers to help us see, understand, detect objects, uh, understand those objects in, in, in context. But we really are not interested in industry bringing us the same pail of water every time. Taking sort of stock artificial intelligence approaches is not what we're looking for today. We have tried those things. We're, look, we're looking for novel approaches. And so that was really the message in this document for industry. And the future of work, we have some really interesting things happening in NGA. One of the things we're doing is building a brand new facility in St. Louis. And so we're really looking at how the space and how an analyst interacts in a space with other people and machines in that space. And we're thinking about ways that we can use smart building technology where you can have a device that changes when you move around the building, um, much more mobility. And so it was really opportune for us to announce this, these ideas that we have for future work to, to our industry partners, especially during this pandemic, because NGA has really changed the way we've done things in just the last two months. One of the things that's really interesting is uh, NGA amongst the IC is very progressive about doing more work uh, on the unclassified level. Uh, part of that's because of our historic uh, work that we do for our mapping, geodesy, aerospace, and uh, maritime activities. So it was really a great opportunity for us to showcase to the world that NGA can move to the low side. And we've really been able to um, uh, spin up a lot more work via telework than uh, some of the other agencies. And we're proud of that. You mentioned those three areas, AI, future of work, software engineering. Did you consider other ones? How, how do those fit into it? Because I imagine just when you talk about other areas, there's, there's could be dozens that you could add. I mean, you mentioned DevSecOps, but you could break that down into multiple tech focus areas. You mentioned software engineering or, or AI. You could break that down, machine learning, quantum computing, there's a whole lot of pieces and parts that either fit into it or next to it. How do you decide on those three specifically? So you're right. I mean, we could have had 100 pages, right, of things that we're looking for. And what we have here in this document doesn't address all the technological needs that the agency has. So we try to prioritize it. We also try to focus this a little bit more on the progressive things so that not just your typical integrator, not just your typical you know, defense industry partner would normally have. We addressed a lot of these things looking at companies, more Silicon Valley, more cutting edge companies or startups. We look to provide a list of, of technology. We look to provide it in a lexicon that normally wouldn't be part of the defense base or intelligence base. We, we try to convey it in a way that maybe just brand new or non-defense companies would be able to understand. So that was more the focus of this document where we really get into trying to convey to a broader base, not just the traditional base of the kinds of technologies we'd be looking for. I will say though that in the technology strategy, we do complement some of these things and we really do prioritize what, what we're looking for 
in terms of the way a company will work with NGA. And two of the highlights there are really addressing DevSecOps, right? Really building with speed and agility. And the other one is really stressing product management as a new way of doing business in NGA. So those are really, really important key tenants. And so you, a company might have a product that meets a technological need of NGA, but the way they do business and the way they bring that product in and the way NGA adopts it is really critical. We want them to use the cloud. We want them to use DevSecOps and we want us to use product management as a way to manage that instead of the traditional program management. There's a couple things to dig out of that, but before I, I go down the path and, and really maybe talk a little bit more about the technology strategy, let me just back up for a second. When you guys were developing this tech, technology focus areas, was this kind of an RFI of sorts or a sources sought statement of sorts? I mean, it's not, it's not an official contracting document. I get that. But is, is that the, the kind of the, the, the way you guys looked at it is we're here, we're going to do some market research, but almost reverse market research. Instead of looking for companies, we're going to have them look for us because we're going to put out a document that really speaks to them. No, that's a, that's a great way of saying it. You really, you really summarized it well, the way you described it. Yeah, obviously it's not an RFI, but we want companies when they do look at our RFIs or look at our RFPs to look at it through this lens. It's really a conversation starter for a lot of these companies out here. You know, it's the kind of thing where a, a company can grab it. And again, maybe not a traditional defense company can grab it and say, have you guys ever heard of NGA? What, what is this? What do they do? And, and, and look at what they need. We fit one of these needs. We can talk to these guys based on this document that they put out. And we might have never had, had a chance in the past to have that conversation with that company because they didn't even know who we were, what we're all about, and more importantly, who to even talk to in the agency. All that stuff is covered in the tech focus areas. I, I got to ask, Mark, are you the guy that they need to talk to in the agency or are you the starting point? Because uh, that's a question a lot of vendors are going to ask. So I'm not. They really need to get a hold of the document. It's on NGA's webpage, right? www.nga.mil. And the whole back section, the last two pages of the document are pretty clear and describe uh, how to make contact with NGA. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's easy and, and it's clear. All right. That's a good thing to see because otherwise your email box will get filled up even more. <laughs> so, Mark, on that note, let's take a quick break. My guest today is Mark Munsell, the Chief Technology Officer at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Mark Munsell, the Chief Technology Officer at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Mark, today we're talking about your new technology strategy, your new technology focus areas, and really the goal here is to really get underneath the covers a little bit and understand what you're trying to do, why you're trying to do it, and some of those technologies that you're really hoping industry can help you with. Walk me through a little bit what's in it and walk me through a little bit about how that fits in with these tech focus areas. You, you mentioned this idea of, you go into maybe a little bit more detail, you, you mentioned this idea of we're, we're trying to complement and prioritize. So the tech focus area is, is really about changing the way we do business, changing the way we build and make software and services. And it was really kind of a starting point or a rallying cry around our builders and makers in the agency. And when I say that, some people confuse the builders and makers in the agency with like internal software development. Yes, our internal software developers are definitely important to the way we build and make, make software. 
but it's also our industry partners, right, that are alongside of us building and making software with us. So one of the key tenets of the technology strategy is to be able to enable much better, enable the builders and makers in NGA. So that's, that's really core to the document, and, and everything about that document is, is meant to support that. Some of the other concepts, of course, part of the tech strategy are, you know, really getting after the idea that we need to deepen an understanding of our relationship with our mission partners, the, the warfighter, the policymaker, the people that use and consume our products, to really get closer to them and really use a product management style to be able to build better services really increase the velocity of our ability to build a software and services, and then transform the, uh, the people that do that inside the agency, really get their skills up, really be able to go through some training, get people coding, get people building, get people designing, and really adopt a, a product management focus on creating good software. I want you to clarify something, because I think it's, this is important. You talk about building a lot and making software, a lot of people will say, and especially in industry, government shouldn't be making software. Government shouldn't be building. And the few exceptions are something like the IRS or Social Security that's working on, you know, 50, 60-year-old type mainframes, COBOL mainframes, where they, they have to get off of them. But until then, they need to have that in-house expertise. Is there a balance of in-house expertise with contractors? Or are contractors really playing, if you will, a, a support role of your builders and makers? Yeah, obviously, it's a balance. You know, everything is, is software and services are just an abstraction ab- upon an abstraction, right? There's different layers of complexity uh, that, that hopefully gets simpler and simpler as you build it. And I think that things like the cloud have really sort of changed some of the vernacular of whether we should buy COTS or whether we should develop our own. I think it's a mix of everything. And so if you're wanting to bring in a new application and for us inside of NGA and and have our analysts or have the warfighter or policymaker consume that application and those services. Um, it's going to be built on common infrastructure. It's going to be built on the building blocks of the cloud. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of tailoring that application, in terms of design, so that it meets the needs of your specific functional areas or, or your specific customers. So it's really a partnership of consuming and building on commercial services that are available. And then sort of tweaking that based on the, the materials that you have and the, and the intent that you have. So we really, we've embraced the idea that NGA should be knowledgeable on software engineering, that NGA should have experts that lead the world in geospatial technology and be at the table um, uh, with Esri, with, with uh, all the other companies out there that make geographic information systems or electronic light tables. We really need to lead the world in this technology, while at the same time work with our industry partners so that they make the absolute best software so that we can win this, this uh, enduring um, uh, challenge that we have to provide the best intelligence to the United States of America. And finally, on, on the strategy side, I mean, there's plenty to talk to, but it will be public. People can find it on, on, on your website. Yes, it is public. It's actually a large document. It's about 50 pages. And so compared to the tech focus area, it does get into a lot of meat, gets into more detail about where NGA is today in terms of technology and where we want to be in the future. Describe some of the things that we're good at and some of the things that we need to improve. So I think it'd be great for industry to read that. And again, look at it through the lens of 
if they're going to engage with NGA, either they've been long-term partners or they're new partners, to look at it through this lens and have an idea of what NGA is trying to do as we move forward. Excellent. I will look forward to um, ensuring people can find it and we'll put a link on federalnewsnetwork.com as well and make it easy. I want to to take a half a step back and talk maybe a little more about the tech focus areas for a second. One of, one of the things about it that really stood out to me was in the data world. Now, we know NGA is a data-centric agency, right? This is what you do. But discuss maybe a little bit about the long-term, short-term needs. I mean, you list 17 different data management capabilities. That's a lot that you're looking for. But again, people may say, well, which ones do they really want? And, and do I, you know, I don't do all 17. And I know you're not looking for someone to do all 17. But Give me, how should industry and others look into this and others in the IC read, read this and, and give me a sense of what you're hoping to get from listing all these capabilities? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, if, if you look at any of the different capabilities, one tool, one tool might solve half of those, right? Just uh, in terms of what that tool is able to do. Some of them might be so specific that we might be asking for something that's not even a tool that's out there today that would have to be built in conjunction with an NGA partner sort of talking through the needs. But I mean, the big idea for NGA is, you know, our challenges have been kind of two different areas of data. The one that most people know about and understand is the fact that we have hundreds of petabytes of images and video, right? And to manage that in itself is a challenge just for the storage and just for keeping track of and easily finding and accessing all of that huge volume of data. The other dimension to NGA's data challenges are more on the, on the side of relational databases or, or NoSQL databases, and especially GIS data, geographic information systems data. This data has a location uh, dimension to it, and that, that can be especially challenging uh, from a compute point of view. It takes extra compute sometimes to do uh, geospatial operations. And so that data is much more complicated in terms of uh, getting easy access to, in terms of merging, in terms of uh, finding correlations and, and doing queries. And so th- that dimension of that data or that data in particular is where we really run into problems in terms of trying to bring it all together. And you'll see that in the in the tech focus areas, data integration, multi-data domain aggregation, um, multi-dimensional data management. So those things are all sort of focused on not the imagery and video data, but but the GIS types of data. One of the things when you talk about the hundreds of petabytes of data and, and more coming, because you know I always hear about the the V the three V's of data, right? The volume, the, the velocity, and the variety. Is that really what you're trying to get to? Is is help us with those three kind of big broad V's of data so we can be smarter about our decision making, be smarter about mission effectiveness. That, that's kind of what you're asking for. It is. I think that there's the other dimension of it's noisy too. A lot of this data, especially on the GIS side, is noisy. It's coming from a lot of different vendors, uh, a lot of different ways to collect that data, uh, very difficult to uh, aggregate, and in some cases, very difficult to make sense out of. And so I think that's a, that's a real challenge for all of industry. NGA, I think it's especially messy for NGA because we get data from anyone and everyone. And sometimes it's of value and sometimes it's and just making those decisions up front uh, can, can be difficult for an analyst. We're trying to make that easier for an analyst. We're trying to make that easier for NGA to be able to bring in, uh, while we bring in lots of variety and, and lots of volume, we're trying to get it, reduce that down to something that makes more sense for our analysts. 
Mark, on that note, let's take a quick break. My guest today is Mark Munsell, the Chief Technology Officer at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Mark Munsell, the Chief Technology Officer at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Mark, today we're talking about your new technology strategy, your new technology focus areas, and really the goal here is to really get underneath the covers a little bit and understand what you're trying to do, why you're trying to do it, and some of those technologies that you're really hoping industry can help you with. I want to shift over and discuss a little bit more about the future of work. I find that a fascinating category and fascinating that you added that into this tech focus area because it's it's a little out of place only in the sense that, oh, AI, you know, that's deep deep capabilities, you know, software engineering is kind of the hot thing. DevSecOps, everyone loves to talk about that. And, and uh, when you talk about data, NGA is a data organization, but the future of work, I, I really think is, is an interesting addition. Walk, talk me through a little bit the thinking behind that, as well as what are some of the th- things, whether tools or, or other capabilities you're looking for? The building of our new facility in St. Louis really got us thinking differently about this and how important we think it is that the environment that you're in and the way that you interact with tools and the way that you interact with your teammates is, is really something that, that the next generation of analysts and developers are looking for and data scientists. They're really looking for the sort of modern way to do that. And, you know, just right off the bat, you can imagine you hire a new college graduate and they come into your organization and they're like, where's Slack? Why can't I use my phone? I'm trying to log in and I'm trying to do multi-factor authentication. And I can't get a text to do that. So this sort of standard way of working in an unclassified environment it doesn't translate that well inside of, inside of the buildings that we work in. And so we really are trying to be cognizant of that. And what should the environment be both physically and virtually, right, digitally for the new analysts? You know, things like uh, we're having a big discussion. Should we be issuing laptops? to all of our analysts. How much of their work can be done from home, teleworking? What does the new space need to look like for the sort of proper interaction between analysts? Should our developers be be doing paired programming? Should we have one monitor and two keyboards? So there's there's lots of thought about uh, about doing the right thing moving forward. And when you're going to build a new facility or when you're going to stand up a, a innovation center, we do not want to do it the old way. We do not want to use the same old tools, right? We don't want to be using email. We, do, we don't want to be using thick clients that, that we can't spin up different VDIs with different levels of capability, with different software suites. You know, it's really, it's really important for us to make sure that we're paying attention to that and get the advice of not only the tools that are out there from industry, but the way they do it in industry. It's going to be great to be able to see it once it's done. I think thinking differently, really kind of giving people that, that idea of, hey, we, we can kind of approach this work in, in, in new ways is so important. I want to shift over to this idea of product management as well. You've mentioned that a couple of times, and it's, it's one of those things uh, or concepts we hear a lot about, but maybe people don't quite get it. How, how are you guys thinking about product management? So right now, it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of tension between program management and product management, and I think that's good, healthy tension in the government. Uh, you know, the government has had a, a traditional way of doing program management for 30 years now. Uh, where we rely on producing the the artifacts from a DODAF point of view or from the programmatics in terms of cost, schedule, and performance, and how you would 
brief that to oversight and people that are trying to keep track of your, your execution. And so no matter how we look at this and, and the way that we develop new, new products and software, we're still going to have to do that to some extent because that's the way the laws and regulations are. That's the way oversight expects to be, to be uh, updated. But at the same time, we really lose out on what, um, you know, a lot of the new concepts of product management and we lose out on, the, on uh, being closer with the customer. We lose out on um, uh, building a minimum viable product. We lose out on the idea that you can add functions uh, daily. You can push software builds uh, hourly, that you can really do a better job of providing a product that can be used across the board instead of one that's just tied to a program and the budget for that program. So, so developing tools and services that cut across programs has always been a challenge for the government. You know, the programs allow the sort of budget tied to execution cleanliness. And, and we really, you know, while that might be clean to track, it inefficient. And so we're really looking for the agency to adopt product management. Some of that's going to be very difficult. We're looking for translators, people that can, that can translate between uh, product management um, processes and translate that to program management. And, and that's, not going to be, that's not going to be easy. We're going to have to have people that are steeped in both. And you're going to have to have more technical people um, to be product managers. So, you know, there's a skills gap there for, for our agency. I think there's a skills gap in the government and it's it's transition that's going to take many years to do. Marcus, you were just about out of time. Uh, before I let you go, there's just w- one other thing I just want to touch base on. The most important thing for, I think, the NGA when it comes to the tech focus areas, but as well as the technology strategy, is the implementation. How are you going to get the word out? You're, you're talking to people like myself, which we definitely appreciate, but how are you going to work with the acquisition folks? How are you going to work with other offices either outside NGA or outside the CTO? And then, of course, what should vendors take from this? A lot of questions in there. I apologize. But what's your plan to implement and get this really moving forward? So we're really happy that we published them. That that was really a big milestone. From here, it's going to be a lot of dialogue. We used the USGIF and they have a GeoConnect series that we had a thousand people online virtually to kind of go over the tech focus areas and convey uh, the intent of those. We're going to do the same thing for the technology strategy. And over the course of the summer, whether it's uh, in person or virtually, we plan on engaging with industry and inside the agency on basically explaining what they are, why they're important, and and how we'd like to see the agency evolve uh, over time using these. Some of these things like product management and some of these things like modern software engineering, a lot of that is the coalition of the willing. We, we do see great stuff happening across the DOD. We're very enthused by like the Air Force's Kessel Run or, or the Air Force's uh, uh, Platform One. These are all, we're, we're in line, lockstep with the concepts. And it's really great to see the Department of Defense and the, and the broader government begin to adopt some of these. But I can say that it'll be challenging to get the word out. It'll be challenging to convey the intent inside the agency. We do have a lot of traction. We do have a lot of traction on things like DevSecOps. We have some traction on product management. So these aren't cold starts. This is a warm start for a lot of these things. But we've been trying to do these for four or five years. I think putting them down on paper was really important. Putting them down on paper for people to pass around and point at and say, you know what, this is what we've been trying to do. Maybe we used a different term for it, but they're, they're right in doing this. 
getting the director to sign off on these and say this is important for the agency, that's another big milestone as well. So you'll see engagements across the, the summer where myself and Alex Lohr, the deputy uh, CTO, and other people engaged in, inside of uh, NGA's technology organization will be pushing these and we'll be trying to hold, hold ourselves accountable to make these changes and make these efforts. I, one of the biggest targets are our big program offices. They kind of live in both worlds. They have to do things maybe in a uh, you know, major system acquisition approach, but at the same time, they're trying to be agile and deliver uh, software faster and better. So you'll see this broad engagement come out of the agency where we're trying to get people to change. And we hope that we can convince people that it's the right way to do it. And the other side of the coin, of course, is other agencies, whether it's in the IC or just more generally in the civilian world, because there's a lot of similarities between the NGA and the interior department or the agriculture department, or even in some cases, the commerce department. Are you also sharing these with those other agencies? We are. We, we have several engagements already where we're, we're sharing back and forth. And, uh, you know, we're at different levels of maturity, but we're really seeing a, a lot of positivity with both our strategy and a lot of, a lot of what other people are doing out there. Mark, this was a fascinating conversation. I really do appreciate your time. There's a lot going on here. And as I said, we'll link to the technology strategy and the tech focus areas on federalnewsnetwork.com, help you get the word out. So uh, let me thank my guest. Mark Munsell is the chief technology officer at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Jason. I really appreciated it. We have to take a break. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. In this last segment of the show, I play an excerpt from a recent webinar with NSA CIO Greg Smithberger, sponsored by the Intelligence and National Security Alliance. Smithberger is interviewed by the moderator and starts off by describing how the pandemic has impacted his planning and strategy. Some of our priorities have changed, but most of them uh, have not. We need to keep this very complex global mission up and running 24-7. And again, uh, the flow of data is sort of relentless, and we need to keep up with that. In spite of the pandemic, we've actually pushed ahead with our highest priority strategic uh, initiatives. So I'll talk about a couple of those. And I think uh, those may play into other topics you want to talk about. So NSA has been on a journey for the last 10, 15 years to break down all the internal stovepipes. So a decade ago, every different type of collection that NSA brought in, every type of data, would have its own processing capabilities, it'd have its own analytic environment. And as you well know from your previous roles, a decade ago, uh, analysts at NSA would spend half their day trying to find data related to their target, their problem set in these various spaces and trying to put it together. So we began a journey to develop what is now called the IC GovCloud. And the whole point is to bring all of the data associated with NSA's mission from all sources into one big data environment, Uh, high performance uh, data discovery, data fusion, uh, data sharing, information sharing environment that really brings the power of technology to bear to support the humans. So... We're leveraging big data analytics, machine learning, automation of various sorts to help the humans be able to look at all of those sources uh, in a very efficient way to triage large, uh, large volumes of data, to put the pieces of the puzzle together very rapidly, to deal with a wide variety of different uh, languages and different types of data. Uh, and again, to do all that very, very quickly. 
So that's what the IC Gov Cloud, what we now call the IC Gov Cloud, was all about. Originally built just to be able to do the NSA mission at scale, at speed, effectively and efficiently. And uh, over those uh, last 10 years, we've systematically shut down all the legacy capabilities and we're sort of all in in this environment. And there's only, uh, and even in spite of the pandemic, we've sort of completed some of the last stages of that. And we're setting ourselves up for the last remaining piece of NSA's mission uh, to be incorporated into that. So that's one of those things we've been doing is continuing that journey and getting rid of the legacy. Next thing we've been doing over the last five years in particular is making that IC Gov Cloud environment available to the intelligence community as a shared asset. So not just NSA analysts can take advantage of that technology, but analysts and targeteers from across the community, both leveraging NSA data and leveraging data from other intelligence agencies who choose to host their data in this very unique environment so we can rapidly fuse uh, data together. And we've had some really great success doing high-speed fusion of data across agencies to solve very specific high-priority problems, really being able to operate effectively as a community at a speed that we would not have been able to without leveraging GovCloud. So we continue to make uh, even new capabilities available to the IC uh, over the last five or six months. And we've been moving to integrate both unclassified and classified commercial cloud services into NSA's core missions, both signals intelligence and cybersecurity. And uh, of course, uh, motivated by COVID-19, we've been looking hard at um, our less sensitive missions, those things which can sensibly be done at an unclassified level, pushing the, more of them into a protected low side, protected unclassified environment, and creating new capabilities for NSA employees and our industry partners to telework into that protected environment uh, and work from home, which is something that uh, was uh, only rarely done uh, prior to COVID-19. So those are just a few of the things that we've been working on. Wow. Yeah, that makes me think I saw one of the, the questions we, we received already uh, ahead of the program was asking about developing uh, software in an unclassified context. Could you talk about how software development uh, supporting mission at NSA could be uh, done more off-site? Off-site is one thing. Uh, unclassified is something else. Uh, where do you want to start? <laughs> How about, well, let's, talk, let's start with unclassified and off-site, where perhaps you could have uh, foundational work done for software development, where you could take advantage of uh, vendors and, and companies who have a larger sets of uncleared people who can do the work. Uh, and then you can transport it or you can shift it over into classified applications uh, as part of the process after initial development. So this is actually a journey that the capabilities directorate has been on for about four years now. Shortly after the directorate uh, stood up after our last reorganization, we took a hard look at what we were doing. And, you know, it's been, it's the NSA culture since the vast majority of our work is highly classified. By default, uh, we operate on our top secret network. Uh, that's sort of uh, where we're most at home. And uh, we hadn't always thought about whether there were pieces of that that really could be done at a less uh, classified level because there didn't seem to be much of a, a barrier to entry when we were all going to be going to our offices and you know working on a high side network and our corporate partners were all going to be working on a top secret network with us. 
But we started looking at, particularly when the community started making classified versions of commercial cloud capabilities, starting with C2S, available to us, uh, that sort of changed some mindsets. That uh, if, in fact, we had some capabilities like that available in our classified environments, we should start developing in a native way from them. We should start uh, developing, you know, leveraging open source software where it makes sense. NSA is also a contributor to the open source community. Come back to that maybe. Um, but we started looking at what we did and we said, well, there are pieces of this that are truly very classified and will always remain so. But there are other more foundational pieces which don't need to be classified if we separate them from the sensitive pieces. So we developed a very protected low side uh, development environment in commercial cloud services, but we wrapped lots of uh, security around it. And we built a model of NSA's high side uh, mission environment that sort of fakes the classified pieces and started doing uh, development in this environment uh, with our corporate partners. So we've actually been doing this for about three or four years. The revelation about five months ago was we'd actually designed this so well that there was no additional risk allowing people to work from home in this environment. So it's kind of become more of a standard for us is to see how much we can actually do in a less protected environment to leverage our ability to work with some corporate partners who uh, in some cases uh, simply uh, don't have access to a SCIF but are fully cleared people. In other cases, uh, we're building a sort of a variation on this environment where we're going to be doing uh, a lot more collaboration with people who don't have clearances uh, for the capabilities mission, for NSA cybersecurity mission, for our research. So there's all sorts of things that we're doing in sort of a low side environment that allow us to work with other people. Now, the flip side of that is we also have lots of ability to work remotely with people within our classified networks. Uh, and we have uh, connected uh, those classified networks to a number of our corporate partners uh, so we can actually do distributed uh, development work there. And again, some of it low, moving high, some of it starting high and staying high. So there's a lot going on in that space. Lots, of, lots in that space. And also back to the topic of cloud computing, and this is something I know we, we wanted to talk about. Um, uh, you continue to do modernization there. And I know that one of your major modernization efforts uh, related to cloud computing is NSA's hybrid compute initiative. So I wanted to ask you, um, uh, Greg, if you could tell us some more about this concept and what the intent NSA is doing in uh, pursuing this. Uh, and as you get ready to launch, um, launch this, I guess, later this year. Okay, so we're actually in the middle of this procurement now. So okay. uh, I need to be careful about what I say and what I don't say about this. Understood. But I talked earlier about uh, the IC Gov Cloud, which is really sort of the, the center of the back end part of NSA's enterprise and this community service. Now, uh, some parts of that are, well, most of that rides on sort of commercial grade um, uh, technology, the sort of technology that the uh, commercial cloud providers are using themselves because we operate at such a, uh, a scope and scale that that's the right grade of equipment for us and we're actually a fairly large enterprise. Uh, but we've owned and operated all the equipment that underpins IC GovCloud. And, um, and you know, it's in NSA data centers and uh, all the constraints involved in that. Uh, and 
Um, as CIA made uh, the C2S environment, uh, you know, a top secret version of Amazon Web Services available to us. We started experimenting with, you know, trying to move some NSA mission. But what we learned was uh, the pieces of NSA's IC GovCloud are so intimately tied together, and uh, they the time tolerances are so tight that it was pretty hard. Uh, to actually put pieces uh, away from the core where that lives and get the outcomes, the performance that we were really looking for. So essentially what the hybrid computer initiative is all about is creating the right partnerships with industry so we can build the next generation of IC GovCloud on top of classified cloud services, but we're doing bulk buys and working with the vendors to be able to optimize so that capacity and scalability is delivered exactly where we need it, uh, given the way the, uh, the NSA enterprise is uh, laid out. So part of it's a bulk buy of classified commercial clouds so we can then you know, ride the technology improvements that those uh, vendors make. And as we continue to build that IC GovCloud capability on top of that, and for some of the pieces that are a little more exotic, uh, and within that IC Gov cloud that are kind of running, you know, full bore all the time, uh, and that are really tied tightly with trying to maintain uh, our compliance regime. Uh, we have a, a pretty complex set of laws and uh, policies, and, you know, judicial orders that we need to uh, abide by as we do our mission. Uh, and all these systems have been certified for that. So there's a piece of this that's a little too hard to just refactor and move into a cloud service uh, as we're trying to move all the other pieces. So uh, in that case, uh, we're going after uh, a partnership also with an industry part, uh, player, uh, one of the bigger players, hopefully, to, um, to provide hardware as a service. And you can sort of think about that as uh, a much less exotic um, sort of cloud service where we're effectively uh, we're renting our hardware, we're not owning our hardware, and they're again advancing the hardware, et cetera. But uh, we're running our software without modification in that environment. Uh, we're not asking for higher level cloud services. We're just, we need uh, hardware that's going to meet our performance specs um, at scale, uh, you know, arriving at the pace that we need to be able to continue to grow this as the demand uh, requires. So this is about a fundamentally different way of NSA doing business, um, you know, and really kind of embracing uh, some long-term partnerships uh, with a cloud vendor and a um, hardware as a service uh, vendor. And given the scope and scale at which we operate, uh, details of which are classified, uh, multi-year, multi-billion dollar uh, acquisition activity. That's all the time we have for today. You just heard an excerpt from a recent webinar with the NSA CIO, Greg Smithberger, sponsored by the Intelligence and National Security Alliance. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in... 
Over here. With a friend. And found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup. So you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.